Uh, welcome back to the Master Movie Podcast, everybody. Not ready to record yet. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> All right, let's go. All right, so today we have Live Free or Die Hard. Now. Um, box. Hold on. Okay. Do we want to do the timer again? Or should we just, like, just uh, go for it? I think we should go for it just because, I mean, is there anything that you really want to talk about? Um, One or two things. Uh, then I think we'll be fine because I don't really have – maybe you'll remind me yeah. when we're doing it. But, um, yeah. Here's like, something. I'll start with this. It's Sundance, and that's only been one day, and then the Grammys. And the Grammys is insane right now, but we're a movie podcast. Okay. Are you ready for this? Go for it. 1917 wins big at the Producer Guild Awards. Now is, is now probably an unlikely favorite in the Oscar race. Um, I've actually been seeing a, a, the, the same headline in three different sites. And the same headline said, this, it used to be about Tarantino and Scorsese. They're old Hollywood. What the new conversation is Parasite in 1917. They're the, that a lot of people are like, they're the real race that's going on here, which 1917 is such a, like, I think it's a good Oscar bet for them to vote for it. Whereas Parasite is the future. And just like Moonlight a couple years ago, the Academy might get it right because of the 8,000 votes that are involved Just now. Like, barely, or, though. They it, had to come out and announce that they got the wrong film. Well, that's, that's because they got the wrong envelope. It wasn't because the votes were being tallied at the last second. Like, they just got the wrong envelope. Uh, but, but at the same time, that was the year that the diversity had been uh, expanded within the voting. So for Moonlight to win made sense. More people, more women and men of uh, at different ethnicities and colors and backgrounds finally were having a say. So they were, I'm assuming at that moment, everyone was kind of like, like, you know, uh, what was it? Fuck La La Land. Let's go Moonlight. And to be honest, I like Moonlight. I think it has more to say than La La Land, but I think they're both really good. Oh, La La Land totally like what I've seen, had gone for. I've seen a little bit of each and I can obviously, and I can clearly tell that moonlight has way more to say than la la land yes but i also don't i i don't want to knock out la la land just for what it's trying to do and the little right. it has to say. a lot of people are like oh it's just a romance like annie hall and i was at first but over time i'm starting to see like if i lived in la and i had these kind of dreams and i watched them dash in my face and i just like was chewed up and eaten by a machine and then just sort of like put my faith in the machine at the end of the day anyway all of that seems really like it, it's in the movie. Like they never say for one second that Ryan Gosling isn't an asshole, but he is an asshole. But it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's he wins best him. visual effects. I don't know what to tell you. His face is weird, but it's also attractive. That's how he does it. <laughs> it's, it's an odd, it's an oddly shaped face, but I, I still want, I still I still like it. I I still like <laughs> I went to a Gosling night. I'm just saying. I like Lars and the Real Girl. Wait a minute. No, that's the thing. Oh, that was a teaser. Okay. Um, yeah, it looks like... Man, dude. It, if you catch 1917, you gotta see it on the biggest screen you can find. That's not IMAX. Because I don't know how it's gonna look in IMAX. Um, with the shifting aspect oh, ratios. I, mean, I, I like to... I, when I run into movies like this, like Birdman, like Gravity... 
movies where the this or Revenant where the spectacle is the point. You know, like see it on the biggest screen out there. I'm like, well, yes, I would love to, and I do want to do that here. Um, but I also just want to see it on a normal screen. I want. I like. It doesn't look bad either. There too. It doesn't look bad on the normal screen either. A lot of people are like, gravity doesn't look good on a small TV, and I'm like, it may not have the same impact, but it still looks just as good. I'm not like one of those guys that are like a movie's just as good on the phone. Even da- like one of the most famous videos of David Lynch is like, if you think you've experienced a movie on the phone, fuck you. It's awesome. It's literally that's all it says. It's amazing. He just like shits all over Apple phones. It's, it's awesome. But like I do, I do think people nowadays they they get things out of their phones. You can't get an experience out of it. You can't deny it. People still do it. But I still think stuff like Gravity can look good in those formats and can still be absorbing. You just have to be willing to put forth the energy to do it. And, you know, everyone has the amount of energy they have at the end of the day. You and I try all the time to do things when we're busy and tired and it's a lot of fucking work. So I I get it. But I hope that 1917 looks good as I continue to take it down to smaller screens. That that would be my hope. I could see it, like, looking good pretty much anywhere. Um... Well, as we speak, I believe right now, the Directors Guild Awards is happening right now, I think, if I'm looking at this correctly. Well, um, it's a Or it's a two-night thing, and they're going to finish off tomorrow night, because some awards have won, like the smaller awards have won. <laughs> I know for, for sure the Grammys are tonight, so. Okay. Um, a lot of people are going to be there. So, yeah. There, I've seen several articles saying that whoever comes out of the DGAs is going to be the front runner. So we'll keep an eye on that as that well, develops. Yeah, I, the DGAs are interesting because they can give you a better idea of who will win for directing, which I honestly think they'll give it. I I think the best that would be Mendez because I either Mendez is getting director or he's getting best picture. But whoever gets director almost never gets best picture. That's a that's usually a rare thing because pro- best pictures are usually given to the producers. You, the producers are the ones that come up and accept the award. So there's a, uh-huh. there's there's a distance between them, but it does happen. Like um, Titanic won. Uh, there there have been other cases where people were like, no, we know, uh, we know. Like I think No Country for Old Men was another one where they're like, no, yeah, Coen Brothers, they got it for sure. Um, but I think this year is too interesting to be, to say right off the bat that whoever wins the DGA will win best picture. After, I think they're going to spread these awards around is my point. After last year's green book win, I'm not putting anything past anyone until, until like it's on, honestly, I think this year is a who's who, Except for like one or two movies in terms of the best picture category, but after Green Book won last year, I'm not putting anything past this Academy, even with all the diversity. I don't think there's a Green Book this year outside of Joker. And oh yeah, that's and I mean that's and the thing is, the Joker is an interesting enough movie where if it won, I don't think anyone would walk away and be like that was another Green Book. I'm I don't think it's another Green Book. I think there's it's a good movie, but at the same time. That would be the one win everyone would be like, that sucks, I think. But I also don't think that's going to happen. Parasite, Hollywood, Irishman, and 1917 are better movies, honestly. They just have better – That maybe 1917 might have 
as much to say as the Joker or the other way around, but it still has other elements to it that are much more impressive than Joker outside of that one performance. I think it has more to it. Um, Those four films is really what the competition is. So you have to ask yourself, which one of those four films is the Green Book? And honestly, I don't think there's a Green Book in that batch. Like, whoever whoever wins, you can make a fair argument for them winning. Parasite, most people, I'm just sort of getting the vibe that Parasite is the thing that's the better out of all. It's the most forward-thinking, artistic, but also interesting movie. Like, I, I can see it going to Irishman and Hollywood. Um, but my my gut says nineteen seventeen is going to win Best Picture. Hmm. Uh, looks like the I, I seems to think so, and he's almost never wrong when it comes to the Oscars. He thinks like he properly thinks like an old white man now. <laughs> yeah, I um... love it. <laughs> um, looks like the Uncharted movie got delayed another three months. That's great. Um, I got stalled for sure. Listen, I said New Mutants was never coming out, and I was wrong, but... <sighs> he, said, anyway. he said it's not a big deal. He says that, like, they just pushed it back, and it's still... It, they, Again. It's still, <laughs> yeah, but they're still within the same release dates that they always had. They're, they say they're just making the scripts sharper. He's like, it's not a big deal. And the thing is, when I hear that, like, the scripts are bad, and they had to go back and send everybody home and do that stuff, like... I get that you can look at the situation of the last movie and the the good reception that came from Mandalorian and see and to have Disney be like, what are we going to do? But honestly, I think this happens with movies all the time, and we don't always hear about it. And this is just one of those cases where we did. And like you, McGregor's like, look, it, we, we have extra time. We don't want to like waste money and have people, you know, working and living in a place when we don't know if we're going to start again, and we have time to fix the script. So like. Yeah. It's not a big deal. I'm still coming back. It's still going to get made. So calm down, guys. And I believe him. But if like three months from now we hear like it's going to take longer, he's going to have to say something. Okay. With that, let's segue into some Star Wars drama. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, we're still in the wake of things. Obi-Wan got delayed till 2020. No, the shoot the shoot date got um, delayed to 2021. Yeah, as they make Kathleen Kennedy happy with the scripts. That does not sound good to me. Well, it's coming not out in twi- it's coming out in 2022, so we have time. I know, two years. Oh, but <sighs> just because we just because we know about this now is only because they and I. I don't know if this is necessarily a Marvel thing that got this started, the way that we announce things coming ahead of time. But I also think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they don't really have anything much down the pipeline other than the last season of Clone Wars, a second season of Mandalorian, and they don't have any movies. So, like, they had to announce something. And so they announced it. That, I think, is the problem. If they'd have waited another year, if they had the opportunity to wait another year, then then all this would have been fine. They would have probably started, like pushing things back anyway and just not had made it public. But since it was public and now they have to push it back, they have to explain themselves. But at the end of the day, like it's two years. The thing that I would be worried about is if a, they pushed back the um, release date or um, if they were getting so close with the filming that they wouldn't have enough time to do their CGI, which usually takes six months for most things. Mm. 
Well, it's the it's the scripts part that makes me nervous, though. Well, no, I I would not be the I would be nervous if they were saying that and they were filming, but they're not. They okay. are fixing scripts at a time where they don't have any like the sets aren't built. Like they have an opportunity to fix things at a script level, which is way better than saying we have problems with the script and we're already like three months into production and two, three episodes and we need to stop. And also, again, it's a show. So shows would be going through this process in the first place. They would find it would take two, three episodes for them to find themselves and they would probably stumble and fall, maybe not have some great writing there, too. They're just doing all of that without us seeing it. Most people get to see that within the first season, and we still probably will. But also, they're trying to be precise the way they were with Mandalorian. They have the money, and now they have the time to do it. We just happen to know it. That's it. And like the only reason I'm saying it from this perspective is because McGregor came out was like, it's really not a big deal. It's just kind of how these things go. So okay, like, we just have the time. We're meeting our date still. We want to make the scripts better. We can, so we're doing it. All right. Right. At least that's what I hope. So, like as we found with this stuff, things could shift very easily. But I, yes. I believe him. I believe him. Okay. Um, Trevorrow confirmed that the leaks are real, save for one minor detail. Well, that was a guess that people were making from a picture. That is true. Yeah, that um, was, that wasn't a script thing that was written down to the outline, which he said everything was there. Now. I want to know, now that all of this is played out. My lovely. I want to know. I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I like Light at the Roxbury. So sue me. <laughs> I just, I'm curious. I'm curious to know um, what his plan was after Carrie Fisher passed. That That's does... what I want to know now. Okay, so if here's the thing. There's no the... way they fired him for this. No, that well, they've, yeah, they fired him for that treatment. No way. It's too good. It's so much better. It's, no it's not about it. It's not about it being good. It's about them having differing of opinions. It was that it was that Disney looked at the most looked and listened to the most audible fans that didn't like Last Jedi and looked at him and was like, mm, no, these fans didn't seem to like where this was going. So we're not going to do that. And he was like, no, no, no. But the movie goes this way. You have to go this way. And they were like, but what if we didn't? And JJ came in and he's like, yeah, what if you didn't? And they were like, well, what do you want to do? He's like, I want to go all the way back. And they're like, oh, oh okay. The thing that you were starting in the first movie? Okay. Yeah. Like, but you didn't answer any of those questions. And he's like, I'm still not gonna. So. I'm just curious. I just want to know what he would have done. What he, what, if, like, if he was given free reign, what, he, what would he, what, what? <laughs> it's what? such a joke. As what a writer, he, he can go so. As a writer, he can only go so far. Whereas the director has to make those decisions, and then the, at the end of the day, the editors and the producers decide whether they want to keep that material. Considering what they did with the material they had to put Carrie Fisher in to make that ending, let's say we got the entire Trevorrow movie the way he wanted it, 
and we got the Carrie Fisher stuff the exact same way we did in this movie. They used old footage. They had her at a hangar mostly. And then they somehow get her to have some sort of conversation with um, Kylo. And that changes him. And they do. And let's say they still do the Harrison Ford thing because they just have to. Um, I would have to ask myself, like, how could like you have that footage? It's there. And the question is, do you have to have her in the story? You could easily start the movie with her funeral. Yeah, you could. But it's not, it's not, it doesn't fit right with the last movie. She, she almost dies, saves herself, goes in a coma, right. and then wakes up. She has to be there. So I, 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 it's a really tricky situation for any director. And I certainly do not think that J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy and them picking the route that they did for Carrie Fisher is anybody's fault. I, I, I think they did the best they could to try and get Carrie Fisher in their movie. Um, and that sucks. Like, they obviously had a plan for her to be the thing that, that changes Kylo at the end of the movie. It was totally going to be her movie. She was going to be the Jedi Master to Rey, and she was going to save Kylo and go out like a boss. Like, she was going to have a great movie. It just couldn't happen. And that's sad. But there was no way if they decided to use that footage, there's no way they would have walked away with it looking clean. It would have looked clumsy and a little it would have looked weird, but she still would have gone out being a hero and she would have gone out the way she does now. Like no one it's I was talking to someone about about our the old job at the movie theater and the job I have now as a caregiver. The th one of the things I hated about being a, a, a part of customer service management decisions at all in any situation like, let's say a couple comes in, another couple starts saying racist stuff to them in the middle of the theater. Both the couples get pulled out and the manager's like, well, the couple that said the racist thing, they come here all the time and they pay us a lot of money. Give them free movies and then give the, you know, the other couple free movies. But, you know, the, the, the racist couple, they can stay and finish the movie. In fact, we'll give them some free. And it's like, oh, my God, that's crazy. That's just you. You go home at the end of the day angry at that couple you cannot like you can't not like that that's a target for you to be angry at at my job now when something happens with my clients because they're elderly or they fall or something like that nobody's to blame it's just that's their age that's their bodies if they have an accident and i have to clean it up like that's just their bodies i love the fact that i can go home and i have no target for my anger when it comes to those frustrations it's just the universe you can't do anything about that like, I'm not going to go home and continue to be angry about that. So when it comes to the Carrie Fisher stuff, that's my thought process. No matter what could have been done, no matter how they approached it, no matter what way they decided to add her to the movie, the moment they decided to add her to the movie with the footage they had, it was never going to be great. It was always going to be clumsy, but it was always going to be coming from the best intentions to celebrate her character in the world. So, like, whatever Trevor would have done... It, it, doesn't really matter to me because like that was the smallest part of it no one could have fixed that no one saw it coming they obviously had totally different plans and then the universe came in and just kicked those plans in the trash can so you just have to deal with the scraps that you have i'm still curious though i mean maybe he would have had her smear herself with poop maybe she would have been a clone baby running around <laughs> You know, volcano would have gone off and just destroyed everybody. I forgot about that, man. That movie's so bad. Amazing would it be if at the end of the movie, at the very end, like a little clone Leia came out and she was like, Hi, I'm going to train you, Ray. Good 
God. Uh, so yes, Trevorrow himself is capable of crazy, stupid, sh- like stuff. But I honestly think at the end of the day, they were always going to use that old footage. They were always okay. going to. I think they were always going to do it. Like it doesn't matter I whether guess... it was like somebody else talking to her. It always would have been that. But like the bigger issues is I, I yeah like they use Maz and all these side like why would you just sideline Maz like that just to explain what oh god like there's not there's no two ways around it it was just clumsy it was always going to be clumsy based on the treatment that was provided and the concept art that came out i guess you could somehow use that old footage to put her in Hmm, unless unless she had a bigger role than the outline than what was said about the script lets on but i think i i guess you could do it it just depends on specifically how much of a role she actually had and to my recollection i don't think it's that Big. I, I'm sorry. With the little bit that they had, they made her a Jedi Master, and the reason Kylo changes. Like those elements are obviously with the rise of Skywalker. With the rise of Skywalker, but that mean that tells me that even by Jedi, by Jedi they they had an idea. Like they didn't kill her for a reason, but also you could tell by the sheer fact that Harrison got an entire movie, Luke got an entire movie, Carrie was next. It was always going to be that way. You could see it. It was just the thing that was... That is the kind of thing that I, like, I'm okay with J.J. setting up. But at the same time, it, it also just made sense. The three most important characters of the entire original trilogy, each one getting their own movie, it would have made so much sense. Like, I, mm-hmm. it, You didn't have to make her a Jedi Master. You could have kept her just being a general off-site. You could have had her after the coma and the space thing just sort of like be you know off to the side and like sending messages but like no matter what that it was never going to feel right because you can feel the fact that the third movie was supposed to be hers you can just feel it mm. what else is I going to dude clone wars season 7 yeah, people were excited. The trailer came out. <laughs> it's a show I've never watched. Dude. If you ever, ever, ever get the time. Season one is a bit of a grind because everybody's trying to find their, like, trying to find themselves. But, like, after that, it gets so um, yeah, I've heard that exact same thing. A lot of people are like, it's, I thought it was going to be whatever. And then I started it and it's great. Um, I don't, I've never cared about the Clone Wars. I'm going to be honest. I don't like Anakin that much. And I know he's probably better in the show for sure. But like, I've just never 100%. been a fan. Of, I've never been a fan of any of that crap. So that's why I never really wanted to spend time doing it. Like, especially when you know the outcome of the war. It's mm-hmm. takes so it takes away a little bit of the uh, it takes a little bit more of the fun. I don't like Anakin, and I know that they lose the war, and even then it doesn't matter because the fucking new order comes up, and it's like oh god, 
war the war aspect of Star Wars um, has always been something I've wanted to see, but I never wanted to see it about the Clone Wars. That was the same. Thing. Same. Like, I always thought that was so weird, but like the, also the prequels were supposed to be their whole. The prequels was supposed to be a whole another trilogy, a whole another world that you'd want to dive into, but um, it just never. It just didn't turn out that way. I mean. I've also never seen Rebels. Rebels is the thing that is the is the one that I would be oh, probably more interested in because of where. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, um, last season, right? <clears throat> Final season. Final. One season. episode a week, starting in February. Twelve episodes. I don't even watch Clone Wars for the the. Um, I don't, like for me, like slowly over time, like as the show went on, um, it it became less. It be it, it sort of tries to balance itself out between like um, Anakin and Obi Wan and. Yoda and Mace Windu and even Jar Jar, even Jar Jar's in there or Padme. It kind of tries to balance out its stories with those characters with these new characters or kind of to go throw them in the old with the new characters such as Ahsoka or Asajj Ventress or Cad Bane or Captain Rex. Like it started becoming less about the old and more about the new because we all know where the old, we're all, well, these characters, well, the, the established characters are going to end up. These new characters, we don't know where they end up. And to see, uh, okay, listen. Um, do you know, you know the nuclear heat that this fan base is capable of? Yes. You are fully aware of this following Ryan Johnson's just complete on the, the onslaught he keeps receiving like almost every day. Um, when the prequels happened. Yeah, you were yeah, you were there. I've uh, watched over Jake Lloyd and the voice of Jar Jar have like slowly hated everyone. <laughs> um Hayden Christensen seems like a nice guy. Yeah, he's, yeah he's totally cool. Shattered Glass is a good movie. People should see that. Mm. Um, have you seen the movie Awake? Maybe. Explain it. What's what is it about? It's about it's Hayden Christensen. His heart's failing, so he goes into open heart surgery, right? But he's awake no. the entire time. That's it. Uh, really? No, he's awake. Uh, no, okay. So his conscience is yeah. active. Like oh, his so brain. He's, like, he's like having a bo- an out of body experience and like going around and stuff, walking around. So he's like on the table and he's like thinking as he's un- as he's physically unconscious, but he's like in his brain, he's just like thinking like what is going on? Like his senses are still active, but he's thinking to himself. He's like, and the doctor's like, "All right, let's open him up." He's like, "What the f?" And then so he finally, what, they finally start cutting him open, and he just starts his his mind, like his mind just starts, like he just starts screaming internally, but he's unconscious on the table. It okay. makes no sense. <laughs> a, that, a, that's terrifying, and that has happened before. People have been conscious 
for surgeries, despite the fact that they don't look like it. It happened before. They've sued hospitals before. It's a terrifying thing that could actually happen to you. Um, but uh, that seems like it would be a good 15-minute short film. Like, what's the movie? Like, after that happens, what happens? He just has an out-of-body experience, and the doctors are actually trying to kill him to get the money. But then his, um, but then his okay. mother, then his, but then, but then his mother donates her heart to him. And so they, Liz, uh, the movie's weird, dude. Right. I don't want to know. I don't, don't want to know because this sounds like something I would watch for sure. It's boring. <laughs> it's super boring. I don't so, remember it. Okay. Okay. That makes me just, that makes me want to watch it even more. Um, Cause there is sometimes that can be done well. There's a, there's a Tom Hardy movie um, where he's in a car the entire time and it's awesome. Uh, he's just talking on the phone while he's driving. It's awesome. Great movie. Um, there's one called Buried with Ryan Reynolds. He gets buried alive. That one's okay. Yep, uh, yep, yep. I've seen phone booth, for that. Phone booth. Have you ever seen Phone Booth with Colin Farrell? Oh my god, I remember previous for that. I don't specifically remember it. Same thing. So uh, my personal favorite is a is a well, I like I like Phone Booth a lot. I think that's a pretty good one. Um, but one of my personal favorites is something called Grand Piano. It's about Elijah Wood. He is a grand pianist. He has a big show, and it's a very <laughs> hard thing that he has to do. Uh, it's a, yeah, he's a hard pianist. And um, <laughs> and someone's trying to rub him out. Uh, it's John Cusack. John Cusack is a sniper. <laughs> John, okay. So, <laughs> so I, I, hey, man, I don't understand what you're laughing about. The, gr- the grand pianist would be rubbed out. <laughs> He's a master penis. Huge penis. Rub that. Oh, God. Oh, God. What oh is this? He rubs him out. Someone's going to rub Elijah Wood out because he's a big old penis. Anyway. So, uh, so, yeah, apparently. In the piano that he's playing this extremely difficult piece in for an entire night, it's like a, like a super long thing that he has to do. Um, there's something in it that's like priceless. And um, John Cusack is a sniper in the balcony, and he puts the sniper on him. He says, "If you play one note wrong on that piano, I'm gonna shoot you in the fucking head." And that's the movie. He has to play the entire thing uh, while trying to also figure out how to stop John Cusack. It's not bad. Hmm. Interesting. But once you said that, I was like, in my mind, it's got to be a thriller. There has to be something. something it's a thriller. To... There you go. Yeah, the, that's that's a whole genre of movies. Even when they're bad, they're hilariously interesting to me. And that sounds hilariously interesting. But yeah, yeah I mean, Hagen Christensen has two modes for me. He has either genuinely good or super, like, I want to punch him in the face. I don't know what it is about him, but like, it, it's not the the... Star Wars movies where that started. It was the movie Jumper. Oh yeah, I've seen Jumper. Yeah, in that movie, he's just he's just got this whole attitude about him that just makes me want to like go through the screen and just like punch him right in the dick. Hey, Rachel Wilson likes him. Oh Oh, yeah, no, yeah, oh yeah. I think they're still together. I don't know. Uh, I think so. No, not not married. I know that. Gosh, I don't remember. Anyway, um. But yeah, awake is weird. It's a board. Anyway, so back to Ahsoka. So poor 
Okay, so back when we first started the podcast, me and Travis trashed on the Clone Wars movie, right? Damn right. We claimed it's one of the worst animated films of all time. That was before I had seen Food Fight. Norma the North. You immediately called me out and said, you watch Food Fight. Um, rightfully so. Because I had seen it. If I had, you had I seen have... it. If I, if I had seen Norma the North at the same time, both of them would have been in that exact same conversation. Oh, God, Norma the North <laughs> Like, I gotta watch that. I gotta listen to that episode again. That's just it's so, it's, it's so funny. I go crazy, man. I go crazy for a long time. You and Zach <laughs> were genuinely concerned for my health. No, I was. I wasn't. I was just like, it dude. Sounds, you can go. No, in the moment, you both sound like, okay, are you okay? <laughs> anyway, um, poor Ashley Eckstein. She voices Ahsoka Tano. She got ripped online. This is back in 2008, so this was like message boards and crap. Like, very early days Twitter. She got ripped. Like, two shreds. Like, probably not too... Okay, if you take Kelly Marie Trans Rose and you take out the racism, <clears throat> that's that was Ahsoka when she first appeared. So just misogyny. plain old old fashioned misogyny. Yes, um, and just, because she actually was genuinely annoying in the movie, they just didn't. The characters did. The, these voice actors just didn't find their characters right away. Um, I mean, I've heard I've heard the argument a lot too that Ahsoka was a bad character until she got better. So I'm wondering, are they really attacking her, or are they attacking the character and her? Which, if you're an actress and you're dealing with a bad character, like. Something you do, you're just doing the best you can. I don't think it's bad. I just think everyone in the movie was bad because all this, and plus the movie moves at such a weird pace because it's four episodes of a Saturday night cartoon. Yeah, it's TV quality stuff. It's like, TV quality it's stuff. TV. Plus, imagine these really like nothing actors these these nobodies all of a sudden okay you're on a star wars tv show first first thing out of the gate since um uh revenge of the sith and you just and now it's a television show now it's like oh george, now george wants to make it a uh, major summer release uh in the in uh, theaters now you're like none of them would have any part in that. I guarantee you, these voice actors were told, "We're you're going to do four episodes of a pilot of a show, and it's we don't even think it's been picked up yet. We have no word." And when you're in pilot season and you're doing something like that, you don't have you don't have any clue unless you absolutely know in the moment when you're making it that the people you are working with or the product you're making is amazing. Like you just know it. Like the people who make Steven's Universe, everyone on it were like, "We knew right away." We're dealing with something that is going to grow into something great. Like that, it's very rare in the voice acting range because of how much voice acting these people actually do. And I guarantee you, if we looked at those actors, they probably have reams of it. So if you go in and they're like, "We're going to do a Star Wars show," you know, Star Wars had the prequels, whatever. Um, we don't think it hasn't been picked up yet. So just you know, we're going to do the best we can to get this out. So once they do the recording, they're done. They may go back for another recording, but I guarantee you none of them had any say or care about it going to a major theater. And once it did and people started freaking out, that's when they knew. Maybe they, were, maybe they themselves went to go see it, sure, 
But I think they knew in the back of their heads, they're like, this was supposed to be a TV show, so they're probably just getting the money that they can. But like, they didn't know how like, vill- like villainous the Star Wars fans could be. And they probably didn't realize this thing was out until they started getting hit with crap. It would be my guess. So, again, she just took, like, so, so much crap. I don't, for me, it's like, it's not that the characters are bad. It's not that I think it's written terribly. It's just they, it's just like the actors were just, like, it's not up to par as to what it was released as, as a major animated feature that turns into a television show. Like no. they were acting. They did it back for a kids cartoon. Yeah. And it got released as a major summer release. Did price she... tag what? dictates no? price tag dictates expectation. Anyway, what was your question? No, 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 you're right. Price tag dictate. That's a good phrase. Did you learn uh, that? No, I got it from um, Internet Historian. He did a video on a game yeah. called No Man's Sky. Um, and this... Oh, I remember that. Wait, you've seen that video, or have you, do you know the story? I know the game. Uh, but okay. I ju- have just been getting into Internet Historian, actually. I'm late to the game on He's him. so great. He's uh, good. <laughs> Raid Shadow Legend. The Raid Shadow Legend ads are so funny. Anyway, um, not sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends. Um, Ah. Oh, boy. So, anyway, I think, um, not that the, I think the writing was just, like, solid for, like, an animated show. It just grew past that, whereas the writing genuinely got really good. Like, it Went from kids TV show, solid solid kids TV show, into like really I think something great. Um, the the more the actors got comfortable and more knowledgeable and fluid with the roles, the better they sounded, the better they performed. Um, it just took time, as with most Star Wars properties, it's like um, it just takes time for people to grow into it, especially with the television show. Yeah. Um. But now, Ahsoka is now probably one of the most popular Star Wars characters in the community. Oh yeah, no, she was in the Jedi voices in in Skywalker, right? She was. Yes. There you go. She made it. She, oh, say like I. I, I and I, there have been talks for like the longest time, like more like fan rumors and all that that one day she may get her own movie rosario dawson desperately wants to play this character she's too old would have to play her or have to play she would have to play ahsoka tano after rebels which is what i would i i as long as it's before as long as it's not during the clone wars i'm fine I just watched um, uh, Zombieland 2, Double Tap, and she's in it. She's great, um, and she still looks great. It's just I'm pretty sure they're going to want to go younger. I, but, yeah, it does depend on where they would do it. Maybe Rebels, they could pick somebody like her. It's not like she still can't kick ass. 
But my guess is they're going to probably want to pick somebody younger so that she could, most importantly, whoever they pick could be in more stuff later. But um, she even got her own book, which is sitting on my sorry, sitting on my shelf. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad today. Um, it's sitting on my shelf. It's great. It hints at the it hints at the Battle of Mandalore, or the Siege of Mandalore, which is where this. Which is what we are going to actually see, um, in the new season, in the new, in the final season, yes. And like, you know how Baby Yoda took over the Mandalorian? Yeah, that's how Ahsoka Tano took over Clone Wars. You mean how? Uh, you mean how Baby Jabba took over the movie? Don't even get me started. Um. <laughs> I was so I was listening to the episode actually um, a little bit ago when I was thinking about uh, how you were reacting to Skywalker and all that stuff, and I completely had forgotten about Baby Jabba, and I'm like, oh, he gets no love. <laughs> he gets no love. Um, he's just not that cute. He's not as cute. Not in that form of animation. You have to 3D render him. Yeah, no, it wasn't great. Um... Uh, the thing that I think is the most interesting about Clone Wars is that. Um, yes, with any show, there is growth over time, uh, especially when everyone making it, it actually starts to band together to take it seriously and not just like come to the But it grew at the time when children's shows, especially children animated shows, had their like had a golden age blast. Like it, to go from my generation of like Nicktoons uh, mm-hmm. and how like that was basically the thing up until the year two thousand. Then, like, Doug was too old, Rugrats were, like, uh, teenagers on TV, like, Ren and Stippy were gone. All that stuff was, like, over, and SpongeBob SquarePants was the thing. And he, like, that show never really got smart, as smart and, like, in-depth as, all the, as like, um, Gumball and Gravity Falls and Adventure Time. Or, yeah, regular show, or uh, um, Steven Universe... Dude, amazing shows, amazing shows that are saying so much about character, about life, about death, about just being weird, just like absolutely unabashedly being weird. And like, it it just became this huge burst. And I'm just seeing it. Like, there's a reason people love Spider-Man so much. It's because the respect that animation is given now, and even more so to the people that grew up with those shows and then start making some of their own. So Clone Wars, I'm not surprised also became part of that boom and it wasn't just another children's show it became it was cartoon network correct uh yes yeah cartoon network just was really they they found their groove yeah they really did especially with it when they had adult swim doing it too at night and that was like boosting them uh cartoon network had a really really good run and they're still super strong but like the evolution from nicktoons to that is it, it, it can't it can't be understated no, so can't. Clone Wars being affected by that is an absolute, in my opinion, especially on the Cartoon Network. Um, yeah, Clone Wars was definitely a part of my childhood. <laughs> um, I missed all of it. I I was just I got out. Like this, like Clone Wars started, I think, as Avatar: The Last Airbender was just ending. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's that's when the first movie came out. Then the show actually got going. Um. But yeah, just the show, I think, 
is really fun. Um, I can, I just realized my mom and my dad, they're rewatching, uh, they're rewatching it. Um, but I'm like, you know what? I could just read the episode titles and I know exactly what happened in each and every one of them. That's how well I know Clone Wars. Um, so you get me started on some of my favorite shows. Not Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. Um, There's at least two other shows that if you read me the titles of them or just like said, uh, um, Dan Rydell does this, I'd be like, oh, got it. Sweet. Sports night. Let's go watch it. Like, <laughs> I just, yeah. There's something about a television show. The more time you spend with it, the more you live with it, the episodic nature of it, for sure. Three more weeks. And... Oh my god, dude! I can't wait. I'm so I'm so happy. I'm 23 now. The movie came out like the, the first movie came out like like um 12 years 12 years ago. Huh? Oh my god! First movie came out 12 years ago, and I still love the show. It's a good show. It's a good show. Um. So, yeah, I'm ready for it. I trust. I'm ready. You. I trust. I'm, I plan on getting to it one day when I really fall back into Star Wars again, whole hog. It had nothing to do with the saga movies or anything. I like the fact that nothing's coming down the pipeline for a while. So if I do do it, hopefully it'll be naturally. It has yeah. nothing to do with like the Mandalorian. I'm just like, I want to watch Star Wars. So I, I probably will at some point decide to just dive into that. But I'm not sure when. Um, I trust everyone when they say it's a, a very good show, though. Yeah. Doesn't start on doesn't start on the best foot. Everybody's like finding their groove, but by season, by somewhere in season two, it's it's found, and then from once you find that point, it's just a it's just a great ride all the way through. Um, so yeah. Also, they're also you should know they're out of order. <laughs> they're out of they're out of uh, chronological order. So there is a it's kind of like um. No, that wouldn't be a good comparison. Uh, it's just, it's just like there's a, there's a canonical order to it, and then there's the episode order. Gotcha. All right. No, I, I'm a chronological guy, so I'll look into that for sure. I like to watch things chronologically. Yeah, I go by, I go by episode air date. I can piece everything together. Um, I, I, I understand. It sometimes it makes sense, like. For Star Wars, you want to get the surprise that Luke's father is Darth Vader, for sure. Like, that's the more important shock uh, at the end of the day. Right. Although I have seen have seen videos of people um, watching the prequels and just watching the downfall of Anakin and, like, totally freaking out and being like, no, don't turn bad. And then they call him a Darth. And then they hear Darth Vader and they're like, oh, that's how they... F-. I've seen people react that way to it that like the prequels. By the way, just sitting down and watching videos on YouTube of people reacting to Luke, I am your father is like a good hour of great time. <laughs> One of my Imagine being things. in a movie theater full of those people. Oh, man. Oh, be a fly I, on the I, wall. I have recordings of that. Audible, audio, audio recordings of people re- responding to it in 1980. But like, That is crazy. Uh, yeah, it's. I love doing it. Um, yeah, there was a good run when we were right before Skywalker. Where I was watching nothing but just like videos like that of like. There's a lot out there of people who have never seen Star Wars and then they journey through it. There's one where this guy is doing it with his kid and he's doing all of them, but then he gets to the end of Return of the Jedi and Luke is um <clears throat> he's getting shocked by the uh, Emperor spoilers and uh, <laughs> <laughs> the kid starts crying. 
because he loves Luke. <laughs> and what he's like, like bawling. He 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 goes from I'm loving every minute of this to like, oh no, the Emperor is killing Luke, and he's realizing this like five year old. He's like, oh no, he's killing Luke. He's gonna kill him, and he just starts crying right there. His mother is like petting him, trying to hug him, and the dad. You can see the look on his face. It's like, what what the fuck have I done? Oh my god, I just showed my I made this kid care too much. Oh no, he cares too much. And then he has to look at his kid and be like, no no no, no. Vader saves him. Vader saves him, and it's like. You have to calm down the kid, and then it happens, and then, like, a minute later, the kid's fine, and he's happy. And he's like, give me more. I want more Star Wars. But if I, I thought about being in that situation and what I would do as a dad, and there's a part of me that would, like, wanted to be, like, do the Peter Pan thing, where, like, when Tink gets <laughs> sick, think when Tink drinks the poison for Peter Pan because she knows it's poison in his drink, um, she starts to die. And Peter looks at the audience and says, clap your hands, audience. Clap your hands. That's how she knows that you believe in her. And then the kid oh. wakes up. So it would have been really cool to me if he looked at his kid and was just like, ask Vader to save him. 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 And then he would have done it. And the kid would have been like, oh, my God. I wanted that. Like, oh, my. He was just a dad. He's like, oh, my God, my kid is crying. I have to fix this. And I get it. But, like, in hindsight, as an outside perspective, I'm like, how great would it have been if he Peter Pandem? That would have been great. Um... Watching videos of people enjoying Star Wars for the first time. Whenever, whenever I think, whenever I think about that moment with Tinkerbell, I think of the live action Peter Pan. That's the first Peter Pan I saw actually as a kid. It was video version, a video version of a live action recording. No, I'm talking like the 2008 remi- live action remake. There's oh god, there's two of them out there. There's Pan and then there's Peter Pan. Yeah, um, I haven't seen either one of them. I'm a hook man. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Um, Who needs to go on the curiosity wheel? Yeah, all those. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited. I'm back. Like, uh, I didn't think I'd be this excited for a Star Wars thing until I saw that trailer. I'm like, okay, I'm back. <laughs> okay, I'm back. <laughs> you're a Star Wars fan, of course. You were going to be excited again. Oh man. I can't wait to see what I can't wait to see what I want to see how Ahsoka escaped Order sixty six, and they're gonna show it. That's the thing. Let's hope she doesn't Ahsoka at it. At most, half of this season takes place during Revenge of the Sith. That's exciting. I like the I like the idea that they that they understand that the order that Order sixty six is like a whole thing in and of itself. Like having the video game sort of be based around that and having the season around it too is interesting because like I don't care about what Yoda and Obi-Wan are doing specifically since Obi-Wan is basically just an assassin in that movie. So um, it's just a hitman, really. So I don't Wait, really... Wait, which movie? Uh, Sith. Oh, he's, right. <laughs> he's sent out there to kill Grievous. That's it. Yeah, okay. It's the only it thing. Not to bring him yeah, in... Right. Um, On Wick. I so badly want to see, like, I know the Mandalorian kind of fills that space, but, like, I want to see, like, full-blown commitment to a John Wick-type character in Star Wars. That's the dream for me. That was supposed to be Boba Fett, but it didn't work out. It didn't work out. Even though (laughs) I would totally be, just for the dumbest, stupidest reasons, I'd be totally down 
for a Chad Stahelski directed Boa Fett movie. <laughs> It'd be stupid, but I would enjoy it because I got I, it. I wanted the guy who made the raids. He was almost involved for the Boba Fett Gareth movie. Evans? Oh. Yeah, I wanted him to do it because like, he would have been great. And there's a re- that like I understand that people are that some people are annoyed that Baby Yoda is taking up a lot of the Mandalorian um, and sort of like watering down those aspects of it. It's Disney, so what are you gonna do? Yeah, but exactly. like it's also a western, and the point of westerns is like gunslinging. That's the thing. Right. Anyway, so uh, I think the last thing that I find interesting this week is Brie Larson uh, is not only getting uh, a Captain Marvel two. Of course, it's got some screenwriters and they're. They're talking. Uh, yeah, it, it's that they've got a screenwriter, a female screenwriter already, and they've got a list of female directors that they've lined up. What the most interesting thing is, though, uh, Brie Larson demanded equal pay as her male leads in other movies before Avengers shows oh, up. Of course, so she, of course. She's contracted to do Captain Marvel too, no matter what. But she's like, if you want me in Avengers of Five, I need to have equal pay, which means yeah, planning not to give her equal pay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like. <clears throat> that's not quite like cm punk but it's similar whereas like it's not whereas with cm punk it was more of just like star power and who they thought was the top guy now this is like this is just like gender inequality and all that like, like, yeah, the so. captain Marvel made a billion dollars exactly Re- like Brie larson brought clout to that movie Regardless of what you think of her performances, I think the movie's weak because of how it's structured. I don't think that she gives like the best performance, but I think I I do think she's good in it, and I do think the more you spend with her character and understand who she is, really from beginning to end, you you I think there's a possibility to enjoy her. Um, but also she she was an Oscar winner and in funny movies and other things before that, like she brought stuff to the table like, already. Come on, guys, she can go. Yeah. Like she's a, she is a star. She is a star. Um, there are some cases where it's it's interesting when you look at a franchise like um, it's un, Robert Downey Jr. is undoubtedly the reason Iron Man uh, exists so pro- popularly as a character. Favreau is important, sure, but the character has grown with other directors. So Robert Downey Jr. is one of the main reasons that that. In fact. Favreau decided to basically let Robert Downey Jr. be as improvisational as he is because he trusted him. He knew how good he was. He drives that series. Um, Captain, uh, I'm sorry, uh, <clears throat> Captain America, it was him before the Russo stepped in, and then it was both of them, to, like them as a team. For Black Panther, it's obviously Ryan Coogler. Like, people love Chadwick Boseman, sure, but like, yeah. mostly what Coogler brought to the table. They said so they I- wouldn't make another one unless Coogler was on board. So that exactly. tells you how much he's important he is. He's totally the superstar of that franchise. No one's really talking about the directors of Captain Marvel. Um, and everyone was like, a lot of people were iffy on her. And like, she was getting ringed through the coals. Sure. But um, she is a big reason why that movie is rewatchable. And I honestly think that she'll be better in other movies. She's just, she's just a good actress and I trust her. Right. And I want different directors. Like, I don't also, think two pairing. Although I like their other stuff, was good for that movie. On a Marvel note, oh yeah, Black Widow's coming out. Come on, guys, I want that movie so bad. I got Listen, we got Mulan coming up in March. We got where is that August? No, it's March. Um, Black Widow in May. Got Clone 
Clone Wars in three weeks. Bro, I'm lined up. I can't wait. I'm so ready. Birds Let's of go. Prey. Birds I'm, of Prey. Man, super- Birds of Prey. We need to talk about Birds of Prey more. For goodness sake. For sure. Like, uh, so here's the thing. It, we So the daughter of John McClane in this movie was Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um, uh, Scott Pilgrim, right? She was in Scott she was, uh, God, who, what was her name? Dang it. I just watched the movie. Ramona. Ramona. Thank you. God, I'm, so, I feel so bad. So that was probably, that was in between her career. Um, mm-hmm. So I, we saw her in this. I saw her, and I got to tell you, Gemini Man. Uh, you saw movie. Gemini Man. Bad real movie. Bad Wheel movie. Bad Wheel. All right, I'm putting it on the backlog. <laughs> Put it on the backlog. Like, right, it's not that it's, it's not like that shit insane, but it is enough where I think you would be like, "What the hell did I just watch?" <laughs> I've 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 seen um, I've seen uh, Dan Olson's video of where he watched three different versions of Gen- Gemini Man. That's about as much, and he's just like, hmm. God, where did like and it's like oh man, There's no version of that movie that'll save it. I'm There's, just like as soon as I saw, I see as soon as I saw that they were doing this. I'm like, are we just gonna forget the fact that Ryan Johnson did this but better? Did he not do this better like five oh, he, years ago? Well, here's the thing. I like Will Smith. I don't mind the plot of the movie in terms of a younger version of him has to fight him. But you're right. Ryan Johnson did it better because this movie barely does it. It's so lazy about what it's doing. It's re- it's ridiculous. It's so late. The story is so lazy. The action is very good. And Smith is very good in both roles, I think. Um, and Mary Elizabeth, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in there and she is awesome, dude. She has a whole scene where she kicks ass and she nails it. And I was like, now I'm excited for birds of prey hands down. This movie's bad, but now I'm excited for Birds of Prey. <laughs> yeah, people can like the. I I didn't know she had it in her. She's mostly done horror movies. She's done stuff like this where she has an attitude, and obviously like Scott Pilgrim, she kicks butt in that movie too. But like, no, she really nails like a like it's a tiny room and there's two guys and she just like murks them. It's awesome. Um, and then the movie I don't think utilizes her that well action wise, but it also doesn't make her a damsel in distress. Or anything like they, I think as a character, she's pretty good. Um, but the movie's bonkers. It's mm. it's so crazy how much money was thrown at something that really just kind of feels like it was written in a day. <laughs> the dialogue, like this was like this was made like during a writer's strike. Yes. Oh yeah. man. Really, dude. And then there's a moment in the end where I was like, "Did that really just happen?" And uh, I was shocked. Mm. I was shocked at what I saw. So bad wheel movie for sure, but she's awesome. Okay, I'm it's really, on the backlog. Birds of Ray. Uh, there was a there was an interview where Margot Robbie said like it was a conscious choice to take the Joker out. Like there's no Joker in this movie, period, and that she wanted to make a a badass girl movie where like a group team up superheroine movie. She's never seen it, and she wanted to get on that train. She knew the only way it would work is if Joker was gone. So like. Poor Jared Leto's Joker. <laughs> uh, I, it doesn't mean he can't ever come back, but I'm pretty sure that dude. He's never coming back. But it's like, what are they going to do now? The Joker's gone in their world. Like they're they're going to bring him back somehow. So either Joaquin Phoenix is stepping in, which is just like the absolute deepest dick kick ever to Jared Leto. He's got Morbius. He's lined up for years now. 
Yeah, he's a Marvel dude now, sure, but like, I would like to see him come back and get a second shot. Like, I hope now he gets that he doesn't have to be a freaking idiot about it. Yeah. And I like make him make it a reason or like make a different Joker. I don't think Joaquin Phoenix is going to be our Joker. There's no way that he's going to be able to like age from the 70s to now and be still be the Joker. No, they have to have somebody else. So I say just get somebody else. But I don't think they're ever going to like leave the Joker out of that DCEU. Mm. Especially if Birds of Prey is uh, a success. Because Birds of Prey is the first time we're ever really going to see Gotham. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. So, <clears throat> anything else? Not really. Um, the, like I said, the Grammys are crazy. Crazy stuff happened. Um, uh, playoffs are still going on. Um, uh, Oscars aren't for, for a little bit. Uh, and yeah, that's all I'm thinking. All right. I'm out of stuff too. So <laughs> live free or die hard. Live free or die hard. This was so, this was such a 2007 movie. Oh, see, I knew you were going to say that. And then I, I knew I was going to say this after that. What does that mean? Just, um, it's all about like hacking and just technology. As soon as I, as soon as I saw like the fonts, for the title, I'm like, I know exactly how this movie is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just about technology and hacking the government and cyber terrorism. It was going to be just a bunch of cutting in this, in like, um, like a bunch of cutting, like in the editing, just like in the action. It's just going to like cut, 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 cut. It's going to get on my nerves. It almost did with that one cut that I mentioned before we started airing. Um, it was like, wait, wait, that was like a half a second cut. So, um, it was going to be over the top. And well, it wasn't really subdued like the Bourne movies though. Or Dan- or even Daniel Craig's Bond to an extent. Um, no, this movie did not do that. I guess that's the difference, really. Action movies were kind of like more subdued around this time, and not really that over the top until the, like then this movie came out. It was just like, it's good, but my god, if times changed. Um, this movie to me, well, let, let me let me ask this. Okay. What, uh, what do you think? What did you think of it overall? These are your expectations, but what did you think of the movie by the end? Two questions, actually. What did you think of it as a movie, and what did you think of it as a Die Hard movie? As a movie, it's fine, but was this a Die Hard movie? Hmm. <laughs> I. <sighs> I'm laughing. I could note. No, no, no. I before 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 before. Hang on, let me go first. I could tell. This is probably the first time I've ever done this. I think. I could tell Bruce Willis was phoning it in. Like, it's a 
amazing how much he doesn't care and how much it shows and how much he tries to hide it. Um, Interesting. So what did you think when you heard the Kevin Smith thing? When I heard it, I'm like, um, by the time I, when, when we had gotten on, I was watching the video and then I had to stop to get this thing started because I didn't want to wait much longer. Um, yeah, you don't, then there's some stuff you missed. Yeah. Okay. So I did read a comment though, where it was like, okay, let me ask you, or somebody, where it was a quote. It was like, let me ask you this. Who's your second choice to play John McClane? That's when I knew it's like, okay, that's everything I need to know. That's everything I need to know. That's actually the end of the story. That's the point. That's all I need to know then. No, you don't. You, you actually need to know more. When did you answer? When did you pause the video? It's at around like the two or three minute mark. Dude, it's a 10 minute long long story. You, you, you basically just heard the end, but the whole thing that you missed is a lot of info. You miss for one thing, Bruce Willis is the most, he cares the most about it. That's the point. He, he looks at Kevin Smith. He's like, I'm the one person who's worked on this movie since the very beginning. I'm the only caretaker of the franchise anymore. All the people who used to work, for the studio are gone. The studio make it a PG-13 because they don't have trust in it that it will actually make money as an R-rated movie. And he's the only one. He's like, like he goes, he goes. Timothy Elephant is phoning it in. He's like, he's doing a performance like a pussy. He's like, I want, I need things. He looks to Kevin Smith to help him get the movie focused because there's no focus. Like he, he, the reason he goes to the studio and says that is because he wants Kevin Smith to come in and write a scene because the scene had not been written yet. There, there was no control going on because here's the other side of it. Bruce Willis takes 20 writers to every movie that he does. That's like The Rock. He's like The Rock. Are you kidding me? No. In fact, Kevin Smith goes up to somebody who is a friend, like he works for Bruce Willis and he's really big and he's like muscular and he goes, what are you, his bodyguard? And he goes, no, I'm a writer. He goes, really? He goes, yeah. Does it say, does it say anywhere that you have to be fat to be a writer? And he's like, fair enough. Like, no, and he, they sit down and they rewrite the scene together. He helps Kevin Smith. He's like, he's, I guarantee you, Bruce Willis won't let you call him cue ball. And he's like, I'm letting him call me dump truck. And he's like, yeah, but it's Bruce Willis. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you get an idea of what Bruce Willis. <laughs> <Q-ball. is. laughs> yeah. Like, Kevin Smith. Oh, that would have been great. Oh, that would have been so good. <laughs> For one thing, they don't have faith in the franchise. You have Bruce Willis, who is the only man who's been there since the beginning, right or wrong. You also had the fact that he's a massive star and is pretty controlling of whatever production he's on anyway, having 20 writers. And when you see movies like Hostage and Surrogates, it makes sense. Like, he, this guy has, like, he wants control over it. And the one movie where he should have control of it, it should be Die Hard. But it's even worse when he, um, he says it himself that Len doesn't really have control. He's not really controlling the situation at all. He can't control Bruce, and the studio doesn't care what he's doing. But, like, there's, there was no control. Like, no one was really handling it. No one was, fo- no one was focused on it. The only person who actually 110% cared about it was Bruce Willis. It's it's crazy. That's why he says it. Because he's like, I want Kevin Smith to come in and fix this scene. And Kevin does. He comes in right in and he's like, I'm going to make it a little bit of funny. He's like, yeah, don't make it too funny. I want you to make it serious. I want you to explain who Thomas Gabriel is. Because up, up to this point, no one knows who he is. And, t- and Timothy Elephant is playing him like a pussy. And Kevin's like, you know what? You're right. 
And so he comes in and he gives the whole speech about how he holds NATO or whatever uh, hostage and they like put him at gunpoint to fix it with a laptop. You think I'm scared of you? Like that's all Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith wrote all of that. Hmm. So I actually rewatching this movie now. I actually like Bruce Willis's performance a lot. I'm watching it now. I think he genuinely does care. Um, I, I actually do think he is John McClane in this movie. Um, he's less I, like he is in other movies, for sure. And like yeah, the, I was about to say, I, I didn't feel it. I couldn't feel it. I still, he still made me care, but I didn't feel it as much as I did in the last three. Here's the thing. The only reason I'm really big and, and like concrete on these opinions is because we have five to compare it to. Oh, guess what's next? What's next, man? Like, that, that movie is... You talk about barely even a diehard movie. Like, if this... Is, this, to me, is like... Mm, 40, maybe 50% a diehard movie. Maybe. Mostly carried by him and some other little small things. Like, every movie has an elevator fight. And there are Agent Johnsons involved. Um, he quits, and he has monologues alone. He talks about how he was just supposed to have a normal day. He has actual moments where he talks about how he's lost his family. And they have a good moment where he's like, that's what makes you that guy. And those, those things are there. And I would say maybe they make up about 40, 50% of the movie. Whereas in the next one, we're looking at maybe 10% diehard material. Maybe 15 if you like really think that Bruce Willis is, is McLean. On top of the fact that the movie just is really poorly done altogether. It really elevated. It really elevates how I'm looking at this movie a lot. However, just rewatching it, I genuinely had a good time. The problem is the last thirty minutes. Last thirty minutes of Live Free Die Hard. That's when I was like, okay, not badly done, but weird. Like the whole jet thing is weird, and then the way that they take care of the villain is weird. It's just, I, it's, I, it just feels anticlimactic. And it really sucks because I was getting into this movie and I'm kind of enjoying it. And then the last 30 minutes happened and I'm like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, franchise. <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> 30 minutes is starting to look like the next movie. So, uh-oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, but man. I do think that like there, there's a lot more Die Hard in this than I thought the first few times I watched this movie. But the reason I think this movie is bad is not Bruce Willis or even Justice, Justin Long to a certain extent. Um, I don't think we learn anything more than Justin Long is a tech guy who's funny, and that's it. And anybody could have played that role. Obviously, other people could have played it better, but they, also, they just don't have any moments. You don't learn anything else about him outside of he's single, um, and that's it, period. Uh, God, he, when I first saw him, I'm like, he better not be another Sam Witwicky, or I swear to God I'm going to put a hole in my television. I appreciate him more than Sam Witwicky, but he is close to a Sam Witwicky. Um, at least he, at least he had an arc where he sort of changed from that. Yes, he becomes the McLean of the, he becomes the McLean like Zeus did in the last movie. He's he makes honorable choices and he does them for the right reasons. And they say it's because you are that guy. So I do think he has an arc for sure. And I, I think somebody else could have played this character more compellingly but also like they don't really give him much he's just jokey and talking about tech exposition and that's it and it sucks but also the cops are boring the whole the whole scene where cliff curtis and i just saw cliff curtis in the 
Hobbs and Shaw movie, and I thought he was great. I thought he there's a scene where like The Rock is giving a monologue, and Cliff Curtis is like putting it all on his face, and I loved it. I thought he was great. Like I, he really makes sells that moment with silence, and like that's a good actor. So watching him here, like there's this whole moment where like these NSA guys come in, and then and then he's like, "You just go do your thing." And then like a, a half an hour later, they come back and give some exposition. And he's like, you guys need to stay out of my way. And it's like, what the hell are you guys even doing? What is, what's happening here? And then on top of that, I, as much as I like, I, I've warmed up to Timothy Elephant as um, Thomas Gabriel. I do think he's just a reserved guy who has control like issues. I do think he's putting it all there on in his face, although he did do the role in less than a week. He shot it in less than a week, so uh, so he, he <laughs> was Bruce Willis from the first movie, pretty much. Uh, oh, so I, I think it's I, I, but I also think that him and the girlfriend and the hackers, none of them are that interesting. None of them are giving interesting performances. None of them are really like. Be, being Imagine that- like Maggie Q is in this movie. Did we not do Mission Impossible three like three uh, months ago? Or she's like great. Months ago. She actually, it, uh, there's a moment where she's on the phone trying to talk to Bruce Willis, and it sounds awful, and I think it's because some of those moments are ADR, but she is great in Mission Impossible 3. She's great when she had a whole show called La Femme Nikita. Like, I think Mackie Q has... Nikita. La Femme Nikita, what did I say? Nokia? Is it not La- Nikita? La Femme Nikita. That's not how I remember that show, but go ahead. What did you remember it as? Nikita. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I got you. The show was just called Nikita, is what you're saying. Yes. It was, it's based off an old movie from the early 90s called La Femme Nikita, made by the guy who made uh, uh, Fifth Element. And got it. Got it. It's a remake. Wait, yeah, wait. it's a remake of a French movie. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's, it, there was a USA show in the 90s that was a remake of the movie. So they couldn't call themselves La Femme Nikita. That had ended like not but 10 years earlier. And it was still in people's minds. So it's actually the second show based off that property. Interesting. No, the um, movie, movie's good. But yeah, Maggie Q, Maggie Q is not memorable in this. Her fight scene is great, but like, yeah. she's, not, she's not memorable. Thomas Gabriel isn't memorable. Like, seriously. Um, like, none of them land an impact. Yeah. Plus this movie just... This movie... It was made in 2007. It feels like 10, 12 years out of date. Like, this that, movie belongs in the mid-90s. I think this is an aughts movie. This is totally a 2000s movie. That's the only way I can see it. But I think when you really stop and think about what this movie is and how they had to make it, not technically, but just, like, in the realm of the world at the time, it's super interesting. Because, like, you think about the other movies. Like, terrorists take over buildings. They crash airplanes at airports. They bomb New York buildings. They can't make that shit after 9-11. No. Nope. You can't do that. can't do That's that. That's not a thing anymore. But you like, can hold the 1% hostage. I mean. By hacking yes. into their reserve. 
I mean, at the end of the day, that's what I find really funny because I, when the movie starts, basically Thomas Gabriel is, it, we go from a building to an airport to a city to now the country is being held hostage. And it's not just like the 1%. He's literally like making people like drive through tunnels without any lights on and cars, car, like Gabriel kills a shit ton of people. He closed down his hospitals. Like t- Gabriel killed people for sure. It wasn't just the one percent. Saw that, unlike in the second movie. No, it's a PG thirteen movie. Uh, (laughs) And the thing is, once it gets to Thomas Gabriel is going to steal all the money of the one percent, I was like, "Well, yeah." (laughs) I also. I kind of like him. He became Thanos for a second. Like (laughs) that is true. I get get why he became the Thanos of the electrical grid. Um. But people died, and then like, like there are moments like when that's why I thought the plane thing was so ridiculous. Seeing it again this time, because um, it isn't just the plane thing; it's the fact that the plane shoots the truck, and then like this road starts, like an overpass starts collapsing, oh killing so many people. So many cars are crushed. So many people die, and the pilot is just like going for it. I was and about to never- say there is no way that. A F-35 pilot of the U.S. Air Force is going to fly in civilian suburb and light the place up. Hell yeah, I know, it's ridiculous. Like, I, it, reminds me, it reminds me of that throwaway line in Transformers where uh, Therese Gibson is earning that paycheck and he says... Sorry, did you uh, just call Therese Gibson? <laughs> no, Tyrese. I said Tyrese. Gotcha, Nikita. For a lot. Go ahead. Okay. Um, gosh. So there's a moment where he says, F-22 pilots would never fly below buildings. That's alien. That ain't friendly. But then I remembered, oh, wait, F-22 pilots do fly between buildings in that movie. Totally, all the time. Gosh, <laughs> dang it. Reason to talk. Um, there is, yeah. This, <laughs> oh, my God. That whole plane thing is like, I can't. I, I do think it like the CGI of the overpass looks terrible. I do like him falling on the plane and jumping off and the plane exploding above him and that shot. It, it it's not a bad idea. I I do like it. Like if you revved your movie up to that point, um, it's a diehard moment. It's it's no different than him jumping off a building with a fire hose to avoid an explosion. It just it works in my mind. But I also think that the CGI is terrible and the whole idea of the plane, like attacking him. The fact that he's driving the truck up an overpass and then it like the ground, like some of it collapses and he just easily drives up it. Like the wheels in the front wouldn't just like smack into that like bottom part that's broken. That's at least more than a foot high. The the, the truck would just slam into it. There's just no shut up movie like that. I was so I was like, what the hell are you doing? And then he shoots the truck to near like it's just there's almost nothing left of it. Barely a motor. And it's and it's and it's stuck in a place. And this pilot is still gonna try and blow him up. And <laughs> stop the truck. You don't have to immediately kill the guy. But of course, the the plane decides to go under the back of the truck for some reason. And, <laughs> and the plane, oh god! I the more I think about that moment, the more I was like, that's. That's the climax of the movie. Like, the shot of him going down the thing is cool, but the whole idea that led us there is super dumb. 
Super dumb. And then he just walks over. He shoots the tech guy. They start shooting him for a long time. And then he shoots the gun through himself. And it's like, okay. Yeah, there was no Hans Gruber moment there. Um, Say the full line because it's PG-13. No, here's the thing. It's like... What is it with diehard villains? Like, what's the secret? You know what I'm saying? Because, like... What do you mean? I did not see... Like, all I saw was him stopping traffic, redirecting gas lines. What else? He shut down the power to the half the East Coast. I didn't see any of that damage because the because um, the FBI guy said reroute all power to emergency generators. So I'm like, oh, the hospitals must be fine because they all got emergency generators. Surely they do, right? Right. They immediately turn on when the lights turn off. So I don't like I don't necessarily see the damage that he causes like at least or maybe even like the guy from the second movie where he crashes the plane you don't think the but tunnel I still is... hate the guy you don't think the, the tunnel think... still made me hate him you don't think people died in the tunnel oh in the tunnel yeah but that was because he oh yeah that he did turn off the lights okay that's the best scene of the movie that is true um, he drives the I mean, car into the helicopter. It's all car flips all the way over, crushes two other cars, and if you look at it, whoever is in those driver's seats are dead. They are Gone. dead. All, all if you let's see, all three of those cars hold at least let's say four people comfortably, and that twelve people are dead. Twelve people are dead. Blood should have been shooting at those windows, and like, like no people died. Tarantino style. <laughs> Oh, dude, like death proof for 100%. Legs ripping out. Oh, yeah. Like tires running around. I saw a clip of Django Unchained. And. Did you see? um, No, it was a. uh, No, 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 no. I think it was a V. No, it was a. It was a Corridor Crew VFX breakdown. Or VFX artist react. And that clip. And the clip of him. Gunning down everybody in the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excessive amount of blood. Dude, you don't. Oh, man. Great. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Oh, God, man. Later, Latter day Tarantino is a bloody mess. Uh, God. Um, Hateful Eight. Oh, my God. That entire cabin is covered in blood. People puke blood in Hateful Eight. Um, but Django Unchained is beautiful when it comes to violence. Um, most of that is towards the end, I will admit. But there are other more horrifying, disgusting moments in that movie of violence. Uh, I can't wait for you to watch Django Unchained, dude. You're going to love it. Out of, out of like, Inglorious Bastards, that, Hollywood, I think that's the one you're going to respond to the most. Um, because it's just an awesome hero's journey. It's 110% like... This guy was nothing. Now he's everything, and he's going to save the day. It's wonderful in that way. Okay, yeah. When we get to and it. Yeah, disgusting. <laughs> um, yeah, but like, wait, are, when you when he was gunning down people in the house, was he? It was the, were they shooting back, or was it 
just him shooting people. I guess it was just him shooting people, and they were kind of shooting back. So nobody, it didn't look like anyone was coming back from like any fancy event. Um, oh God. Because there's two shootings in that house. If if it's the one you're thinking, it's the I'm one thinking. he's shooting. Is he shooting um, Christoph Waltz in one of no. them? No, both. I can't. I'm not going to go into that, but I know what you're talking about now. You're talking about the earlier gunfight. Then I don't okay. want to talk about that. All right. Um, so like, I'm I'm kind of shocked you saw that because like that. The great thing about a Tarantino movie is not not knowing what happens. As you know, Pulp Fiction when two guys are fighting and then all of a sudden they get like anally raped by a couple guys, anything can happen. I think Django Unchained though, there is a genuine curve towards the end of the third act. That's so wonderful. Uh, Not, I mean, it's just wonderful to see as an audience member to be like, Oh, I didn't think this was going to happen this way. And then the last act. is Okay. Back to Willow. (laughs) Hashtag this movie. Well. This movie was not that. Um, but yeah, people died in that tunnel. For people sure. died um, in that tunnel. Beyond but, that, my well, point is beyond that, we don't really see his damage. No, they uh, they don't have they don't have a singular moment. I think the tunnel was supposed to be that, but it was didn't really feel that way. Especially no. after the helicopter crash, the guy is just able to be like, "Oh, I'm just, I'm just gonna walk away." There's mm-hmm. no old lady uh, flight attendant and person with child from the second movie to ground that down. Yeah. Um, you don't, if you could see the faces of the people in the cars before those lights went out, it would have a better impact. You wouldn't even need to see what people, uh, what happens to certain people, but just show us that there are people in those cars and they don't do that. Sure. Um, I will say that there, I do like the action in this movie more than I like the second one. The second one is more like fast cutting shoot, like unimpressive. That's what I thought. I feel like that's what I thought. The set. That's what I thought this movie was. So, you know, I'm the, I'm the other way around. I think some of the action's pretty tight and focused. Um, it's the rest of the movie. It's the rest of the movie that's edited down and like, like chopped up ridiculously in my opinion, but the action scenes are actually, you could follow them beginning to end, and they have arcs. They they elevate, whereas in, like, the second movie, it's just a lot of gunshots. I was having, I was having, I was honestly having trouble following stuff. Not as bad as, like, um, what's an example, like? A latter day taken movie? No, because I haven't seen those. I haven't seen the third one. Um, uh, action scenes, action fight scenes. Like most of them are just out of this hair. Um, oh, right. The uh, Born Supremacy. Mm. It's not that bad. Born Supremacy is. Whenever it gets really bad, it's really bad because they are they are dedicated to shaky cam. There is some actual like there is shaky cam in this movie for sure, but most and of plus it that, is plus that fights which, which cut so much, so many cuts. Which one? I like those getting stabbed. Um, the one with 
who's the guy? The fight scene that ends with him putting a magazine in a toaster. He doesn't put a magazine in a toaster. Yes, he does. In the movie. He in Born Supremacy. Okay, Three that, years before. I don't remember the movie. I don't remember that. I thought you were talking about Lufri Jahard. No, he opens the gas line, he puts a magazine in a toaster, and then waits. And then he goes out, then he leaves the house, and then the house eventually explodes. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> That's the Born Supremacy. Um, Dude, I don't read Borns. I know. I know. Those movies, um, those movies visually did nothing for me. I think they're fine, and I do think the third one is the best. I don't remember it, except for that he falls in water at the end. This came, this came in the same year. It came in the same year. That's and this is what I was gonna get to. Um, so Die Die Hard has can't do any of the fun stuff it had to do. So you're right, it had to be techy. And then also they can't really show the products of the violence of the main villain, which yeah, we still dislike him. It's mostly because he's he's a dick, just a dick. No, uh, it's not even on that level. Like I can handle that. You want to know what it was? What this is what I hate about some movies, right? Mm-hmm. You had to sucker me in mm-hmm. with the subplot with Lucy and John. Yeah. You had to sucker me in. That's the that's what it was. Because I knew the oh. movie was, the movie put a smoking gun with Lucy and knew that guy was gonna bring Lucy into this. And then I'd have to go through that's why I didn't like the guy. Because I knew. Okay, so yes. I hate that when movie do when movies do that. Ugh. Well, I also I'm yes, such a I sucker. I'm a sucker. Okay. I got a, I got an argument here. First of all, I do agree that bringing Lucy in is it it's predictable the moment you see her in the movie. But then also, I feel like bringing Lucy in is again one of the major problems of the ending of the movie. He was holding the entire world hostage. And that was interesting, or the whole country hostage, and that was interesting. But then you realize he's stealing from the rich, and that's kind of awesome. And so stealing his daughter is the thing that Clay, that's the thing that McLean has to beg Cliff Curtis in the truck. He's like, he has my daughter. Bring everyone for my daughter. He doesn't mention that he's going for the money, then that you should stop him for the money. It's like, get, save my daughter. And that's what he's really getting the audience to understand. He took the daughter. But here's the thing. McLean threw his girlfriend down an elevator shaft with a car and then gloated about it for a good 30 seconds. That's what he does. He could have just been like, Oh, you're Oh, that girl. Yeah. She's dead, man. They're all dead. If he didn't keep pressing that button, then Gabriel wouldn't have been like, all right, fine. I have your daughter. Like he, like the moment he killed the guy's girlfriend, he kept his eye on the daughter, but there's, he may not have kidnapped her. He could have just been like, I'm going to go after your daughter, but he took her. Because of what McLean said. Again, that's the exact same thing that happened in the second movie. McLean egged the guy on, and it became really unclear as to whether or not those people died because McLean couldn't keep his mouth shut. So, yeah, it sucks. To get, like The guy stealing the girl is an immediate thing for us to hate him even more. But I, 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 McLean kind of did it to himself. Like I just wanted to see... Like, I just wanted to see that resolve, and he was get and the Thomas Gabriel was getting in the way of that. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm such a weird guy. 
Like what? stuff like that bothers. It's just like to me. It's just like, gosh, dang it! I got suckered into like I got suckered into that again. Like that is done so many times, and I get suckered in every single time. I'm going to tell you something that happened to me today. Um, for one thing, I... Well, I, yesterday. It's midnight well, 17. Well, okay, yesterday. Uh, <laughs> yesterday. I'm going to tell you what I don't like in a villain when he corrects me. Uh, I fucking hate that. Uh, no. So I watched uh, my favorite movie today, and I fell in love with it again. And there was hitting me in those moments, and I'm like, even though I've seen this a million times, I love this movie. And then I was like, I have um, an hour and a half to go before my shift is over. I've done everything there is and my clients are asleep. So I don't, I'm not going to have to do much towards the end. I'm going to find something on TV that's going to end when my shift ends so that I'll have a clock. Something I've seen so that when I look at the TV while I'm passing by it, I'll know, okay, I have this much to go. Plus, it's a lot more fun to stare at a movie counting itself down than it is a clock. So I put on Jerry Maguire. And I, do you know anything about Jerry Maguire? Uh, wait, wh- about Jerry Maguire? Yeah. Only that Tom Cruise is in it and he dances in his underwear. Is that the movie I'm talking about? Is that it? Okay, you're half right. Okay. You're also and half I'm half wrong. wrong. Yeah. The underwear thing. The underwear thing is literally, I think, ten years earlier than this. This movie came out the year of the first Mission Impossible. This is why 1996 was the year everyone knew that Tom Cruise was forever a movie star. He was never going away. There was nothing he was ever going to. He'd already been in hits and a bunch of other. He'd been nominated for an Oscar by that point already. But that was the point where he decided, I'm going to be mostly an action star and stop acting while also at the same time putting out like one of the best romantic movies of the 90s, period. And it's corny as hell and it's super cheesy. And I don't care. And when he goes in at the end of the movie and he pleads to Renee Zellweger to take him back, it gets me every time. And I cry every time. It doesn't matter. If something is done right or something is done well, I appreciate it. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that's the case for you here. What I'm saying for you is the more movies you watch, the more you're going to be able to tell when this is done right and when it's done wrong. And the more you do that, the more it's going to affect you more. Like, you're going to see something and you'll be like, that was great, that was perfect, and it got me. And then you'll see it in another movie and you'll be like, you know, they didn't try very hard, but you did it and you got me. So it's, it's right. just movies, the more movies you watch, the more you start to appreciate the ones that do it best, and then you start to find favorites. And, like, that that's my favorite thing about genres. They- genres. They didn't try very hard here, and it still caught me. And I think a big reason for that is because we've spent the last three weeks with John McClane. Yeah. Which is... Wow. All right. Um... That is the other thing that hit me, too. I'm like, I'm really liking this movie more. I'm appreciating it a little bit more. It wasn't just that we were going into five. I was like, nope, it's because I've spent the last three weeks with John McClane. I could see the John McClane and Bruce Willis. I knew that he was the one trying the most in this movie. And like, no, he really is like, ha- like half of his performance is him being John McClane in the other half. I could not get around this. It annoyed the living crap out of me. He's just telling Justin Long things like stay with me, stay, stay here, 
let's go get down be careful it's like half of the movie is him saying stuff like that and i'm like if i i would just run into gunfire after a while like it would just annoy me so much um and it's annoying when you watch the movie but i do think that he is john mcclain in this i do feel like he I feel like he is more John McClane than I ever had before, but it is obviously not as good as the first or the third. And I still don't know what, the, I think it's a more fun movie than the second one, but I think the second one is a better diehard movie. Yeah. I would watch this one before the second one. And I would watch the second one. Mostly if I had just watched the first one. That. For me, is a tough call. Because for I, sure, I, I for sure I would rewatch this first one. I I've, I constantly rewatch the first one. Uh, yeah, it's iconic. It so well, it's iconically rewatchable. Well, I mean, just for me personally, it, it is one of those movies that I watched so much as a kid when cable was very important. It, that it's in my blood. But the thing about the second one is, I can turn that off whenever the hell I want. I have no personal investment in it, although it was. As much on TV as the first one, it, I never blurred it. I knew I knew which one was the good movie. So if I if I ever watch the second one after the first one, and then at any point in the middle of it, I want to end it or just cut to the end, I will because uh, the third one is next up, and that was always my favorite. Um, but I think four is more entertaining. Also, I think this movie for me just is so modernized in its technique it's like it's visual technique that i'm like i understand wanting to go into like a different direction or kind of like modernizing so that do audiences can get but this was this was missing like a flair to it that the for at like that like the that it was missing a flair that the last three movies had visually that um, that I was kind of like, okay, where's that flair? Where's that, like, um, what's the word? It's not, I don't think it's bravado. It's just like, where's that verve? Where's that creative, where's that creative verve to it? I was just oh, like, I, I was just like, we're constantly waiting for it i'm like no it's too modern it's not gonna do it and it's like oh, dang it all right well like that classic diehard feel that big tiernan brought to it yeah and i was missing that i was like i'm not getting it i'm not i'm not feeling it you know it, i agree with what you're saying it really it makes me respect rennie harlan's attempt to get the vibe down uh, despite the fact that I don't like his action, I think he's made better action movies. But I think I think he's a good mood director more than anything. Uh, Len Wiseman, though, I've I've never liked the Underworld movies. I've always just thought they were like Matrix horror. Wait, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. You're telling me the same guy who directed this movie made the Underworld movies? Most of uh, most of them. I don't know if he made all of them. <sighs> three. And he made the Total Recall remake. Okay, that didn't look too bad to me. As much as people hate that movie, I do, did not hate it. First of all, you gotta hate it because it's you don't remake Total Recall. Uh, why? True. Uh, it's Total 
fucking recall. But like also, Colin Farrell and everyone in it is trying very hard to do a good job. However, it's the same thing with this movie. It, everything, the best quality of it is the action scenes. Everything else just sort of feels meh. And that's how I felt about the Underworld movies. I thought the action in them were great, but the movies themselves were just ripoffs of the Matrix vibe. And like the performances just didn't seem, none of it seemed worthy to me, except for when Michael Sheen shows up. But Michael Sheen's amazing and everything. Um, and when I think about this movie, I see what you're saying. Like, it's not John McTiernan, no. I think the action is better than the second movie. Uh, I think it's more focused and interesting. And, like, it, they, the action scenes escalate properly. Like, I do think that works. You're not just watching gunfights. You're not just watching hand-to-hand combat. You're watching, like, things escalate over and over to the point where it, like, you don't see a spider monkey guy coming, jumping off buildings after they have a gunfight in a house. Yeah. You don't. Like you don't see that sort of thing ending that way. It's a, it's a nice little point to it. Um, um, it like underlines the kind of people that he's going to be dealing with this time. I do uh, get what yeah. you say about the last thirty minutes being underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Because I just realized something. I finally just like like took a step back and just like realized like um. Hans Gruber falls off a building in a very dramatic fashion. Um, the guy at the airport gets... <laughs> ah, it's still funny every time. It's still funny every time. He lights a trail of gasoline leading up to the plane, and the plane explodes. And then... <laughs> um, the my favorite part of that whole thing... Go my ahead. favorite part of the whole thing when the plane blows up is that everyone in the plane is celebrating, and then they just all turn around and see this giant ball, and they're like, Oh, how did that happen? Oh, it's great. And it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, and the guy in the third, and um, uh, the guy Simon, I think, yeah, it's Simon, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, he gets blown up from a helicopter after the after John Mc, after uh, John McClane with two bullets left shoots a power line and it gets sucked into the sucked into the uh, propellers and then it crashes. Like this guy. He gets Hell, a rocket launcher to the chest. He gets you know, two. He, yeah. he gets two awesome. A rocket launcher that doesn't explode right nope. to the chest, um, <laughs> and then the helicopter crash. And then um, this guy, well, he just uh, puts uh, uh, John McClane in a choke, and then he John McClane shoots him, shoots him through himself and kills him. Like, okay, yep. Now I get it. Yep. Now that just makes it worse. Okay. Yep. Oh man. Um wow. It just sort of like ends. Yeah, I was thinking like like at two parts of the movie I'm like what am I watching right now? Am I feeling anything from this? Both times I was like we'll just see how it plays out. And I'm just like at the end I'm just like sure I guess it was a okay time but just didn't feel like die hard yeah. like i get trying to go in a new ish direction but this just did not feel this just didn't feel like classic die hard and i think that if you're gonna make a die hard movie it needs that under any like context or anything like that 
I think the interesting thing for me about the way those movies look, I mean, if you like, McTiernan was a was an amazing action director, like one hundred and ten percent, because these films were not all about action, but the action that was there had had impact. But he also like evolved as a director. He eventually got bad, like everyone, but he did evolve after the first movie with the third one, and he said, "I'm going to do different things. I'm going to have a different camera. I'm going to have a different setup." but I still understand the tone of how this action movie should move and like <clears throat> look and feel and move with the pace too. Like they just don't make movies like that anymore in 2007. We're post nine 11. We're not even just post nine 11. We're past the grieving process. And we're now in the re- reactionary period just before 2008 when wall street collapses. Like it's also 2007, one of the best years of film period. This is the No Country for Old Men, There Will Be Blood, Michael Clayton year. This is an amazing year. Great stuff came out this year. And I, I, I just think this window in which it comes out and how it looks, yes, it could have been amazing. It could have been. This is like, I think this is the year of the Dark Knight as well, right? No, this is uh, 2008. Okay, so this is just before, this is just before Dark Knight. This, this is the year before the Dark Knight, yes. This make, and the Dark Knight makes it very clear that it looks a lot like Heat. So that is probably one of the best representations of how to make a 90s action movie. That was probably the closest we got. And to say that you can make a diehard movie like that at that time, yeah, it's possible. Chris Nolan did it. But he's also Chris Nolan. That, that was the moment he decided, I'm going to be a he... legend. <laughs> Christopher Nolan is a... Much, 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 much. There are not enough. There are. There is not enough space in one sentence to put the word "much" in as many times as you can fit it in. He is a much, 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 much better director than Les Wiseman. <laughs> yes, he's he is better, but like he also just has a better idea of how to. Uh, take someone's look and tone and apply it to the story you're trying to tell. Not just the movie, but the story you're trying to tell. To say that you could make this Die Hard movie look like at least the third one is totally possible. It totally was there. There's a lot of things that are missing from it that make those movies look and feel the way they do. For example, there's not a mo- there's not a song throughout this movie that plays throughout it that has a memorable theme. All the all the other movies pick like i think the first one picks a christmas song second one picks another one and then the third movie has uh johnny comes marching home again so all three of them have like a theme that goes throughout the movie to make to make a consistent feel to it this has credence clearwater references and songs and it has fortunate son twice but that's not the theme of the movie there is no theme of the movie yeah there's no where, where was the diehard theme there was none I was going to say, like, they tried way too hard to go in a different direction. I don't think that's the thing. I don't think that they were trying to go in a di- different direction. I think this was directionless. Mm. That I makes think, sense. I, I think there are things about this that are obviously made from people who like Die Hard. I do think Len Wiseman likes Die Hard. I do think he understands some aspects to it uh, that make it as a narrative Die Hard ish. But it, none of it feels like a diehard movie. Like the like the 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 instruments are there, but they're not playing the right notes. It's it's weird. Uh, 
and I, I think the point is that the studio didn't have faith that this could be a good movie if it looked like that. Nobody was making movies like that. It was there was no different direction to go. There was only one direction, and that was what movies looked like. The thing you said at the beginning of this podcast is like totally dead on, though. I think people were getting sick of the born identity look, and I think this movie was a nice sort of like uh, change of pace because it did very well, and a lot of people do like this movie. Um, I think as an action movie, it's pretty good. I think as a diehard movie, it's fine, not great. I um, don't even think this is like a. This doesn't even feel like a proper Die Hard movie. It just feels like another action movie. Five, dude. Five. When you say well, at least, when, no, but five is a, five is a bad movie, and it's a, and it's not even a Die Hard movie. Dude, at least was, this movie's fine. <laughs> this movie's okay to watch. I was afraid you were gonna make that argument. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Die Hard Five is such a bad movie. Movie. As well as, but the, when you th- when I think of the phrase that that Live Free Die Hard is barely a Die Hard movie, I don't know if I would use the word barely. I I know the word barely, and I would use that for the fifth one. Like that's barely a Die Hard, just skin of its teeth, a Die Hard movie. I watching it this time, I felt like it was more of a Die. Maybe it was because I've watched the other ones the last few weeks, and I'm into this character. But a lot of it was Bruce Willis. I do honestly think Bruce Willis was John McClane in this. I do think that he was holding on to some idea of what that was. I don't think he was phoning it in. I just think that people didn't know what they were doing, and he was doing his best to try and like do what he thought was right. But, of course, he couldn't get on the same page with everyone at all. No one was on the same page. So the I think the biggest reason why this doesn't have a look to it um, – despite it not necessarily looking bad or, or incompetent or like hurting the eyes with as many cuts as it could have is because it didn't have a vision. It like, I think they like narratively knew things they wanted to put it into it to make it a diehard movie, the elevator stuff, the monologuing stuff, the Johnson's like all that stuff is there. Lucy McLean showing up. Um, I, I do think those moments are there. Sure. But you can write that on a script. Everything and how this movie looks and feels doesn't feel like a movie with uh, that knew where people knew what they were doing, or at least on the same page. Not not when you certainly compare it to the other movies. The second movie was made very quickly, but Rennie Harlan knew what movie he was making. It was the first movie. Uh, and here's the thing: I think a big reason that has to do with it is the, the all three movies before this were taken from complete scripts that were written beforehand. And it wasn't just that they weren't diehard movies beforehand. They were complete stories that were already written or had been rewritten and changed throughout time. The only thing that this movie is based off of is an article written by someone about how you could take down and do a fire sale. There, there are no characters. It's not a plot. It's not a story. It just outlines <laughs> what happened. And the movie... <laughs> so yeah, it's, a, like it's the tech stuff makes sense on a on a like structural level of the heist like their heist and their plan makes sense because you could do that and it would affect the world and you could like but the thing that's fake is that all of the finances in the world are in one database place that wasn't that's not a real place that was made by a fictional character in this movie everything up to that point about a fire sale though to disrupt how the world would work set reset and screw us off for life yeah no that's real 
but it's not based off a story. It's based off an idea. So there's no real story to this movie. It's like, we're going to make a diehard movie with this heist idea. Well, okay, but like, what's the vibe? What's the look? The second one is the first movie. And the third one, it has a whole arc to who Willis is. They took out all the supporting things for him. They made him alone, and then they give him on an arc to put him back to calling his wife again. Like, all that is there. You're also in his natural habitat. Other cops are working with him. Um, and you, st- you start to see how he works in when he's not necessarily caged. I don't think you could have I, – I think this movie still could have worked if you kept that idea in mind. But no one knew how this was supposed to feel or look from what I'm seeing. All right, let's grade it. Um, Okay. uh, My gut... My gut says C minus. Wow. Oh, wow. Um... I would have probably said C minus the first time I saw it, too. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I didn't think it was that bad. May, maybe a lot of it has to do with the fact that I saw Gemini Man recently. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, it's a really bad action movie. Uh, I was, Which I, is a better Bruce Willis movie than this movie. Because he's not in it. Um, uh, so I... No, wait, not Gemini. I'm sorry. I was thinking about... I was thinking about Looper. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the point still stands. Because um, Gemini Man is pretty much a bad Looper. Uh, I, I, I had a good time watching this, but the problems are inescapable, and it ends really weird. And uh, I don't think it's the worst Die Hard movie, which is why I give it a few more points, too. Is it a C-, minus though? Are there? Uh, I guess. I guess the thought in my mind is when I think about other action movies compared to this, would I watch it over ones that I think are lazy? Do I think lazy? I don't. I don't know. Like, the, I. I guess what I'm saying is, what are we? What the hell are we going to start grading marine movies? Uh, <laughs> I got that on the I, wheel. Yeah, this is not bad action when you compare it to something like that. We may walk away and be impressed by some of those action scenes, and it may be all that series is boiled down to. But there's a part of me that's like, oh there's quality here that we're that I want to ignore because I think it's a bad Die Hard movie, mostly. So I don't know if I want to say it's below average. Uh, there's a, I think I just kind of want to say, I kind of want to say C or C+. I don't know. I don't think I've got a C plus in me. I think it's just a C. I think this is an average action movie that, like, yeah. if you're in a good mood, you're gonna want to watch it. And if you're it, as part of the series, it's a bad way to end things, which is how I feel it ends. I don't think the next movie is a diehard movie. It really doesn't feel like one, but we're gonna watch it anyway. Uh, it just doesn't. It really doesn't. Um, and this is a sad ending, if that's the case, because the ending of this movie is really weird. And I wish it was the third one. I wish the third one was the way, or has, if it had the like epic nature of the third one. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like we're watching an epic Die Hard movie. I feel like we're watching a Die Hard movie. And honestly, what's really interesting is this is the exact same length of the last movie. Two hours, eight minutes. Dang. This, um, this doesn't feel like that at all. I don't one, think it's a two-hour movie. 
one quick note before we go, or before we, yeah, before we go. Is Holly dead, or did they divorce and they're just not talking to each other? They divorced and they're not talking to each other. But I also think it's very interesting that he says, "My wife doesn't remember my last name." That's so fucked up. That's fucked up. Like, what does that imply? He saved her life twice. And he's the father of her children, and she can't remember his name. I think what he's trying to say is that she can't remember that that's what her, what her last name used to be. But, like, I, the way he says it, it sounds like if someone was like, hey, how's your ex-husband John McClane? And she was like, John who? Oh, that's his last name? That was my last name forever? That was that guy that saved my life? No, that's, that's so that's so crazy. Like, I don't I thought Maybe it's because impl- she still lives in L.A., but I don't know. I thought the implication was that she had come down with dementia? <laughs> but I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. Did they just, like, rocky her? Like, like, this is my last thing I wanted to say. There's a couple worrisome moments. That was, I'm sorry, but that was so weird. Do you understand my confusion, though, when he says that? Freaking weird line. It's a weird line. It's a weird line. It doesn't, it doesn't, there's so many things that it could mean. It's super confusing. But, like, it's just, I think it's supposed to just say that she's a bitch now. Like, how could if you really honestly just like he is an asshole, he is a jerk, sure, but like to forget his to just really cut him out of your life that much, that aggressively is insane. That's insane. So I I think that's crazy. But then again, there are moments in this movie where John McClane is like it's a little worrisome. I mean, he keeps calling he keeps calling the like the woman a bitch. He's like enjoying it. Like I don't know. That fight with her is weird. Like John McClane says some some worrisome things. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's weird. So, he talks about women in this movie, and there's something about the way they talk about Holly in this movie that's just a little odd. Which is even weirder when you consider how badass the daughter is. Yeah, I like how. Um... They brought in Lucy, and she's like, "Hey, how about we just go out back, you and me? We just take <laughs> you and me one on one. We'll just we'll throw down." <laughs> like, oh shoot, oh man. I believe she gets some hits in on on Gabriel for sure. Um, but yeah, there you go, everybody. Live free and die. Live free or die hard. I enjoyed it this time. I may not enjoy it next time, but I feel like I'm I'm glad I walked into this movie and liked it more than I did last time. Because I'm so afraid of the next one. I feel like I kind of want to watch it right now. So. Just to get it out of the way. A good day to Die Hard. We end on the first Die Hard movie I've seen start to finish. And now I get to see how truly bad it is. Yeah. So this this was the newest one. This is the one you hadn't seen anything from. The uh, Live Free or Die Hard? 
Yeah. I've seen like, bits and pieces and like promotional stuff when it came out because I watched wrestling back then and they would show ads for this movie. Yeah. Okay. That's all, that's the extent of what I got. It was, I think, three that I hadn't seen anything of. Okay. What did you What did you think of Kevin Smith and his old deal? Just to oh, see. He was, it, it, I thought he was, I thought he was, I thought he was pretty good. I thought he played the guy pretty good. And yeah, I think he's cue ball would have been yeah. such a great line. Would have been a great line. Just it would have elevated the movie to an A plus for me. Honestly, he's just like he's the most interesting side character in the movie. Honestly, freaking cue ball. Oh, oh man, I would have cried for days. It would have worked. It would have worked so well. Freaking cue ball. I would. Oh man, I would have lost my mind. Um. So yeah, I think after a good day to die hard, we're gonna spin the curiosity wheel. Okie joke. Um. Where so, did I? There it is. There, I have a. I only have three movies on my uh, on the uh, curiosity backlog, but here, let me. Uh, What's on put, the wheel? First? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna put it in everybody's mind right now. Uh, please, no ads, no ads, no ads, no ads. Okay. No worries, no curiosity wheel. Titan AE. God, I want to see that. Um, wanted. Mm. Um, I remember wanted. They, 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 they're assassins because of what a loot tells them. <laughs> Heart and souls. Yay! I can't wait. Spaceballs. Oh yeah, that would have been nice. That Citizen. would still be nice. We get to talk about Star Wars some more. <laughs> Citizen Kane. <laughs> I love Sister Kane. I think it's great. Maltese Falcon. I love that movie. I'm reading. Uh, I'm reading all of the. Uh, oh no, that's a different guy. That's a different guy. A different character. But Maltese Falcon is great. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, classic, classic, classic. Spike Jones and Charlie Kaufman. That movie is beautiful and heartbreaking. It has one of my favorite songs in a movie ever, and it's like 30 seconds long. It's beautiful. John Bryan, man, shout out. The Dark Crystal. I've never seen it. Apocalypse Now. Totally seen it. Uh, that movie is beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful movies ever made. Which cut do we do? Because I've seen there are like four different cuts for it. No, like um, the two most popular ones are the the normal one, the theater one, and uh, something called Redux. So we want to stay away from Redux. Okay, but not the final cut. Um, I just I don't think uh, the the shortest one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Shortest is what we're looking for, basically. Book smart. Uh, so many people are telling me to watch this movie and that it's amazing, and I keep telling them that I won't, and they get so upset, and they're like, why? And I'm like, because I want to I have my reaction recorded. Dread. Been, that, that movie is the definition of the curiosity wheel, like, to me. Mm. 
It's it's survived for so many different things. It's crazy. Bridge on the River Kwai. I think you're really gonna like that movie. Surfs up. <laughs> uh, you gave up a spot on the Curiosity <laughs> Wheel just sure <laughs> is a good movie. I've seen it enough that it can't be a curiosity for me. It needs to be on the Good Wheel just based off our guidelines, and it's a good movie. And also, when Surfs Up comes along, I'm going to watch the second one, and that's a curiosity to me. And finally, About Time. Oh, my God. Oh, I love that movie. That's like Jerry Maguire to me. Like, that is just, oh, God. I think you're genuinely going to love it, dude. I'm rooting for Titan AE. Whoa. I'm rooting for Titan AE, Wanted, and Spaceballs. And Surf's Up. Those are, the, those are my four. Those are my four. Um, those are all the four that I don't want. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you not want Titan E? Titan E may be like a like an like at at worst an okay sci-fi movie. I've seen enough of it to know that it is an okay sci-fi movie. The thing is, I want one of the other ones. I want to like see you actually see a movie that's before the millennium. Again, Booksmart would be interesting because that got Oscar snubbed. Booksmart is interesting just because it's like, I, it just seems like a good movie from a female director, and it's an all female story. Like we don't have any of those. Yeah. Besides, um, Clueless. Clueless, yeah. Um, classic. It's just a classic on its own. Okay. So, oh man, <laughs> oh man. If we thought the action in this movie, if I thought the action. With this, and this movie was bad. Wait, wait till we get back to Wanted. Oh man! I actually think Wanted um, doesn't look bad. I like it, but it's super dumb. It's just really dumb. I think it looks great, and the action doesn't make any sense, but it's very dumb. And it's Listen, also Matrixy. I will sure. take James McAvoy having a mental breakdown. Or just, no, 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 it's not even a mental breakdown. It's just like. James McAvoy working nine to five at a at a uh... <laughs> it's so stupid. It's James McAvoy working a nine to five, finally airing out all his grievances after he just made three million dollars because he killed a few people that a that like a blanket told him to. <laughs> no, the thing that made the blanket. Or the thing that made the blanket that stitched out the pattern on the blanket. <laughs> yeah, but dude, are you no. telling me that the thing he says to his boss is not the thing you wish you could say to your boss? That's why it's so great. Yeah, no, Wanted Wanted is all style and super dumb. It, that's all. Like, if you just want to watch a beautiful looking, like, ridiculous movie, there you go. It's also, like she- also yeah. all the peanut butter. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, dude. The the milk things, the guy with the rat, the oh man. Morgan Freeman. I know that movie's that movie's gonna be sure fine. The, <laughs> the curving of bullets just makes no sense at all. Oh man. Like oh man. Also, um Titan A is a childhood favorite of mine, so I will Oh man! Plus, the only Star Wars parody I've seen is the Robot Chicken stuff. So to see the actual original parody of Star Wars will be super nice. 
We ain't found. <laughs> yeah, like Spaceballs is pretty good. Pretty funny. But All like right. I love I there are so many funnier Mel Brooks movies like Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. I can't You want to know something I realized though? Hmm. There's not enough like bad movies on this curiosity wheel. Um that's because we have the bad movie wheel. No, but like movies that are like Okay, never mind. Yeah, you know what? You got a point. Yeah, okay. No bad put them on the bad wheel. Like the whole point is they could be bad. Because here's the thing, we could watch Apocalypse now and Zach and I could just gush or or whatever. Like maybe Zach will be like, "Ah, eh, it's pretty good." I remember, but I'm going to gush. Um and you may be like, "I don't fucking get it." It may be a bad movie to you. Mm. Um, I don't think that. I love happen. the smell of napalm in the morning. Um, It'll be interesting when you come across like um, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind too. But like, yeah, that's, there's some serious stuff on here for sure. But like, um, I think Surf's Up's probably a good bad one. I think that's gonna. I think we're all gonna look at that and be like, oh, oh, Surf's Up's not that bad. Uh, that's my childhood <laughs> talking. Uh, yeah, you're sick for sure. Nostalgic. I, I don't know if I wanted to go nostalgic that way. Like, I, I, if I did, it would probably would have been like Five Goes West or Muppets Christmas Carol or stuff, stuff like that. Like, common stuff. People know that stuff. I wanted to, like, like, Heart and Souls is something I haven't seen in a long time. And that really has, that's in my bones. That movie's in my bones. And I just haven't visited it in a long time. It's like going home. I get what you're saying. But I also think that, like, that movie, is something that you will watch and be like, Alex, what the hell did I just watch? And I'll be like, I love it. <laughs> that to me is like Face Off. Face Off should not have been on the bad movie wheel. It should have been on the Curiosity. Seeing that now, wait, 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 wait. You're, we did, no, we didn't, we did <laughs> not put good. that on the bad wheel. That's right, we put on the good, rightly so, good for me. I was about to say, like... That to me is, like, more curiosity. Like, I, the good, like, maybe movies like Apocalypse... I think Zach was the one who put a lot of those on. Like, I think you picked Citizen Kane, and I picked Bridge on the I River. Pick, I picked Citizen Kane because it's one of those movies where, as I hear it all the time, it's arguably the best film ever made. And I'm just like, it can... No movie can be that good. It's the best American film ever made, I think. I think it's, I think you could, like, my, I think the perfect movie is The Godfather. But mm. the best movie, best American movie, probably Citizen Kane. Probably. The, just the story of how it was made, the story of what it is, the techniques they use. It's, it's, it's great. It's just great. All right. Let's, that's not your thing. That's not usually what you get to. So, like, that's such a jump up. I think, like, the, there are some movies on the Curiosity Wheel that probably should be on the good movie wheel. But um, the goal is to try and balance uh, that fine line of what's nostalgic, what could be bad, and what could be a surprise. So, yeah, we are spending that next week. Mm-hmm. Now I got it, and this discussion is good because I didn't know where I was going to go with some of these curiosities, but now I have. That is a who's who. 
And we are watching one of them. So, there you go, everybody. Um, so, next week, or next episode, depending on what happens, if we can finally actually, get Zach back. Actually, ask yourself this, Chris. What do you want to watch after what we watch next? That's going to be the most important thing. What How do I what like I have a feeling like a good day to die hard is not going to be a very good movie. It's, it's going to be. I'm afraid it's. So gonna you think be- we're gonna? So you think I'm gonna be like? I'm gonna react to this and be like, nope, we're doing a good movie because I can't no, take that. I, no, I think there's plenty of stuff on the curiosity wheel for us to have a good time next time. But I'm saying, like, like when we watch that movie and we're talking about it, like think about in your head so you put positive energy towards the wheel. Like, what do you? What are you in the mood for? Do you want to like watch something that everyone in the world says is one of the best movies ever made, or do you want to watch something nostalgic, or do you want to watch something that could be anything, like Heart and Souls? Like, what mood are you going to be in after you watch something? I'm afraid we're going to watch something boring. I feel like A Good Day to Die Hard is just going to be boring. I think I'm going to have a lot of stuff to angrily attack to it, but there's also part of me that's going to be like, God, it's just so bad. <laughs> and I, it's gonna be like do i want to watch something that's gonna be fun and stupid do i want to watch something that's gonna be like that's gonna make me feel like i'm gonna have to fight the urge to lecture you like that's another thing like the good movies <laughs> i have to fight the urge to be a fucking teacher to you like because i do so well and how am i going to sit here and make the arguments that people have made for generations and decades about like citizen kane and stuff and not sound like a pompous windbag so like that's going to be interesting to me. I'm going to be checking my ego left and right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what's going to be interesting? Um, yeah. We're going to find out next week. Um, I'm going to watch it tonight or tomorrow. So, like, there's a thing I want to watch tonight. But, like, if I'm still up, then I may just dude, like put my Dude, you better be careful. Because you, I can see you ending up watching it more watching it like twice watching it a second time after you watch it within the next two days just to like let it just like let it stew or maybe you just watch it once and then just hold that stuff in like i'll be like dude hold that in the the one thing i'm afraid of is that it's confusing i because i i was watching a thing that went through all the movies and then it got to the last one and explained the plot and i was like what so, like, if it's boring and confusing, I may have to watch it up to... My guess is I'm going to be watching it, like, three to four times this week. Oh, God, Maybe dude. In, there's the initial time, then I feel like I may watch it again because I'm going to be watching it early. And I I just probably will need to just to get confirmed. And then I usually watch it when we talk. Like, So tonight I watched Live Free Die Hard. Um, this week I watched it twice. But I have a feeling I'm hitting three or four next week. Absolutely. I'm just, I'm just gonna watch it and just see what happens. You, I, that's how you handle it. Like I, that's how I do handle it. I, I think the, a big reason why I liked this movie this time is because it was like the third or fourth time I've seen it, and it took. Kevin, a man. <laughs> no, no. Guys, completely new idea. It's coming from Angley's brain. We take. Will Smith. We clone him to make a younger Will Smith, and then they fight, and that's the movie. I'm just like, Dan Ryan Johnson, do it. You this is Angle. You just explained the movie. You just explained it. There's literally, I could like, I could finish it in one sentence. Like, 
they like Will Smith is an assassin. He was raised by Clive Owen. He gets too old. He grows a conscience, and apparently the guy that raised him made another version of him and was raising him. And that's it. That's it. I first and saw he, that trailer for Gemini Man. I'm like, why? Why do I need to see this? I saw Looper. I'm fine. It, I'm good. It, Sorry. It's crazy banana brains, but that like that's it. That is the plot of that movie. And here's the thing. There's one more thing that happens, but I can't say it. Outside of that, that's it. Like, it happens so fast. It's like, oh, my God, the plot just escalated. Like, you just added so much more backstory to this thing, and now you're just going to drop it? Okay. Like, it's, it's, oh, my gosh, man. I haven't thought about it for a while, so. Oh, (laughs) okay. I like how you saw Gemini Man before you saw 1917. Um, yeah. <laughs> you just had to know, right? You just had to know. That's the other thing. I may get to 1917 or something tomorrow. I also watched Jumanji, the, the uh, Welcome to the Jungle for the first time, and I really liked it. So mm. I may go to the second one just because I'm in the mood and I want to see something fun. Uh, but, um, yeah. It's Oscar gonna... season, baby. It is. Um, I still got to see Ford Fifiari. Um... So a marriage story is here. I can watch that whenever I want. Um, I think I can rent Parasite, although they do have that in the, they have that back in theaters again. Um, yeah, I may rent Parasite, watch it here. I I don't think I'm going to get to Ford v Fiari. Uh, and then Little Women, I may go out of my way to try and see Little Women for sure. It's still out there, so good. All right, everybody. We are not going to watch any of those movies next week. It's a good day because next episode will be a good day to die hard. And um, there are a lot of jokes you can make out of that title, but I'm not going to make them because I am trying to be mature. So, uh, all right. Alex, if you want to make that joke, go on ahead. Just do it. I know you're waiting for it. Oh, man. I wasn't going to. I mean, I would have to be a a good dick to die hard on that. <laughs> I didn't want to do it. it was- How have we gone this far and not made one joke about the title of Die Hard? Because they haven't been ridiculous until now. <laughs> die, hard, die Harder isn't even... That shouldn't stop, stop us, though. <laughs> oh, die, die Hard is a... Die Hard has no grammar. It doesn't make any... It, like, grammatically, it doesn't make any sense. Die, Unless you put I, a hyphen there. I die hard. But that's how you'd have to Listen, say it. Listen, Anastasia, I don't make Second love. Two. I die hard. <laughs> I don't make love. I die hard. <laughs> oh, that was good. Good on you, bro. <laughs> I like the name. I like the name Die Hard with a Vengeance. And like live free or die is a thing that we've all lived with. And it just matches with hard at the end. Uh, but a good day to die hard is a bad title. I think it's the first original one that isn't based off any idea but the stupidity of the people who wrote it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Goodbye, everyone. Say goodbye, Alex. I gotta go. I'm laughing too hard.
A good dick to die hard? That's what it would have been? Yeah, good. <laughs> Hashtag release the McTiernan cut. <laughs> nice. That's the only thing now. I'm going to keep doing that. Oh, I love it. Release the McTiernan cut of live free or die hard.